welcome to the New Zealand Property Market Podcast, brought to you by CoreLogic, produced by Agents TV, for the 15th of June, 2020. I'm Head of Research, Nick Goodall, and I'm joined by our Senior Property Economist, Calvin Davidson, down in Christchurch. Calvin, how are you, mate? How about that Super Rugby Aotearoa? Yeah, it was good. Real good, wasn't it? And um, afternoon rugby for me is probably the, the highlight. You know, felt felt a little bit like we, we harked back to the start of Super Rugby, you know, way back 25 years ago. We had uh, afternoon rugby and high scores and, and tries and, and um, good crowds. And so, yeah, it was um, it was pretty awesome. And, um, yeah, being a uh, Cantabrian, we're looking forward to the Crusaders' first game. But, um, yeah, it was good. And um, you know, just put the cap on a... On a pretty good weekend so yeah no complaints how about you you would have enjoyed it yeah it was really good actually i um and i think you know added to what you talked about the afternoon rugby also seeing crowds on the field afterwards just you're right it gave it that feel of the old super rugby or you know even the old npc where it was just you know more more involving of the people amongst the two and so it was really cool i kind of watched both both of most of the game most of both of games um, and really enjoyed yesterday's Blues Canes game. And I think it was just interesting to see Bodie Barrett in there, and there was a little bit of banter between him and the Hurricanes boys. And um, yeah, so it was just good, entertaining rugby. Did feel a little bit exhibition type games, which I think was fun. And then, yeah, afternoon rugby, man, you cannot beat it. Like the Hurricanes are back in Wellington this week playing against the Crusaders. Maybe we need to have a little wager on that one, mate. Um, so I'm hoping to take the family along because it's a 3.30 kickoff. So, you know, ideal for families. So I think that's probably the most exciting part of it. And hopefully we see um, more and more of that. But I don't just switch back to going for those evening matches with the, uh, you know, with, with the broadcast coverage being, typically being the most, most important thing. Yeah. yeah. You'd wonder what it, what it will mean for the long term of the competition, you know, with this, because there probably was a feeling that things were a bit stale, you know, and, and I'm a, I'm a keen rugby man, but even I was sort of losing a bit of touch with it over the last few years. So um, maybe this is the, the stimulus it needs, a change of change of format, and, and who knows how it'll look in the future, but it could be that this is a time when decisions are made and, and the whole thing's shaken up a bit, which uh, can't be a bad thing. And um, yeah, some afternoon rugby would be awesome. Yeah, totally agree. I think that, yeah, maybe they need to have just more local derbies and just play it like that where they have to have some sort of Champions League thing like the football but yes we will wait and see but all right mate well um look let's let's get into it I'm sure you had a, a good weekend but um we'll, we'll kick off with some work stuff eh can't dwell for too long and look I think as per usual let's kick into early market indicators data so the stuff that we're tracking you know daily basis pretty much and um you know mostly looking at those CMAs generated by agents and the valuations done by the banks I would say from my interpretation, I'm not sure if you'd agree with this, but it does look to me like the worm might have turned slightly, looking like that activity starting to trend slightly lower. Um, so maybe those first signs of winter when we know that activity does die away. When I was looking at some of the adjusted stats, I sort of had CMAs generated down by about 6%, um, while valuations were holding up marginally. I think they were at 1.5% week on week when you take out some of the holiday um, noise I suppose that comes into it did you manage to check out the early market indicators report and pick anything out from there yeah nothing really on top of that I think it's probably right that it's uh you know we might looks like we might be heading into the the sort of the winter period um I mean the, any figures at the moment are just so hard to sort of to figure out aren't they you've got lockdowns you've got the typical seasonality of winter you've got this this whole idea of pent-up demand that you know, the, <clears throat> there's this transfer of, of activity that would have happened in April that's been taken out of April and pushed into other months. And you know, to what extent is current activity 
just reflecting that transfer or is it actual genuine activity and, and so just very hard to interpret but it does look like um does look like the the uh, seasonality is starting to play out and certainly feels that way outside so um, wouldn't be surprised if people are, are hanging back from you know the property market until things warm up again yeah, it certainly seems that way, and I think that the um, listings, new listings coming to market for sale, certainly the last three weeks has pretty much bang on the um, average for that, those same weeks the prior years, and so that to me looks very seasonal, starting to drop away now as we don't get as many properties come to be listed, and as you say, maybe people just waiting on. So I think that my opinion at this stage is that it's probably the pent-up demand might well be over for now. Um, and we do start to drift away into winter, but as you say, it's uh, you know pretty fast moving. We'll continue to watch that, and, and not easy to get clear signs just yet. Um, but from a value perspective, look, I think we got the Real Estate Institute's data was released this morning, and I found it really interesting to look at. Of course, the first thing we were looking at was the number of sales that were sold, number of properties that were sold in uh, May itself, and we know that. When we adjust, we make some adjustment for non-agent sales as well. So it's not just, just the Real Estate Institute sales. And we have sales down about 44% nationwide, year on year. About what we're expecting, I would say. I was sort of saying about half as many as the same month last year. Um, and Wellington and Canterbury sort of not as dramatic drops for May. They're the main centres, all pretty consistent. Um, but what I was really interested in, yes, of course, sales volumes, what's happening with the Real Estate Institute's house price index, which is the indication for what values are doing across the board, not just that median sale price, which obviously is, can be much more volatile, influenced by what happens to sell. And I'm always looking at that house price index. And I think, you know, my opinion is that there is clear evidence of weakness here. Um, the nationwide index was down 0.5% over the month of May, um, which again is probably about where we were expecting. And then from February to May, so if you look at the February index to the May index, actually down 1.6%. So that includes March, which we know was relatively strong, and now those two months of you know not many sales, but enough now to get a better read. Um, and even Auckland was down 2.1% over that three-month period. So I think we're definitely seeing that that downward side of the, the market. Um, Queenstown, really interestingly, down 7.2% on that three-month method. But... I do put a word of caution there because there was only 33 sales um, that make up that figure. So you've got to be very cautious and that could be quite volatile and bounce around with so few sales making up that calculation. Um, but then if you look at the main centres, I had Wellington City was really interesting, down 4.1% over that three-month period. That's calculated across the 174 sales that happened in Wellington City in, in May itself compared to February, and that is the worst of the main centres, which I wasn't expecting to see Wellington City have such weakness, um, whereas Hamilton and Tauranga held up relatively well, and even Dunedin was down 3.5% on that three-month measure. So those are the things that I picked out. Did you get a chance to sort of peruse their release this morning? Yeah, I did, yeah, and, and picked out mostly the same things. I guess just to add another <coughs> couple of extra little snippets I suppose just bear in mind with those sales volumes I mean down about 50 percent you know that let's let's not forget that we we still had alert level three for about half of May so um, you know I know activity was going on in, in alert level three but uh, still pretty tricky so to lose about half the sales relative to last year kind of feels about right with with what you'd expect given uh, there were still some pretty tight tight rules for the first half of the month and then um, 
yeah, just on those house price results, if you think about, say, a half percent decline in um, one month or about one and a half over three months, uh, you're kind of looking at annualised 6%, which um, is pretty much sort of what, I guess, our sort of working assumption, if you like, central scenario about sort of the scale of, of potential decline in, in house prices. So um, you're still looking at you know, single-digit falls. Now, of course, it could get worse, but... Um, but yeah, it's, early signs are sort of moving in line with, I guess, what what we've been expecting. So yeah, it's um, not great still, of course, but uh, you know, no no major surprises. But quite interesting because you know, as I uh, previously talked about, we were expecting things to hold relatively flat. There shouldn't be anyone in there with stressed sales. Like people should have been able to take some help, you know, via the wage subsidy. So your income should hopefully hold up for most people. You've obviously got the option to defer your mortgage payments, so you shouldn't be forced to sell. So I think this mostly reflects probably sentiment. You know, we talked about it switching to more of a, a buyer's market than a seller's market, where those, you know, buyers that were in the market, you know, maybe had a little bit of bargaining and so they didn't have to offer quite as much. And even though there has been a little bit of pent-up demand, which has meant some competition, there's clearly not the same, you know, level of competition where we're seeing prices continue to be driven up. Um, with those signs of a clear drop away and those those values according to the index. So those are the ones that I think we look out for. And that does certainly you know show to me that even if we're seeing some slight, slight downward now, when there shouldn't be anyone desperate to sell, maybe some people are subjecting their rejigging their finances and their equity or whatever. But if we do see, you know, those unemployment figures start to lift as we're all expecting to, then those people may well be um, more keen to push through a sale faster and they could take an even lower price if the demand's not going to be there from people who you know, aren't confident and comfortable in this market to continue to purchase as, um, in, the, in the future. So that, certainly that balance between demand, supply um, is, going to, is going to continue on as we move through the next couple of months. Um, the other thing that came out from Ryan's and Tony Alexander actually last week was the survey results that they've been that they've just released. They're just in a new bunch of surveys, um, looking at you know who's active in the market. Did you have a look at that data, Kelvin? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, cool new survey. You know, really interesting stuff coming out of it, and I guess you know information from the coalface and and showed or, you know some some feedback that that first-time buyers had come back to the market, the investors were there as well. So um, I guess that just adds to that, that little bit of anecdotal evidence we're getting that those, those, those investor groups or buyer groups have, have come back. I suppose, uh, you know, it's still, it's a new survey, so of course it doesn't have a long track record, so it's a little bit hard to know, I guess, what's, what's normal. Um, but, you know, still a really useful addition to the, to the toolkit. And I suppose from, from our point of view, what we can do is, is look at that survey each month and then actually test it because we've got the hard figures on, on buyer classification, our actual transactions. Who, who is actually, is it an investor or a first-home buyer? So I guess we can um, each month have a look at our data and, and say, yep, the survey evidence was right or actually this happened instead. So, um, so that's how we'll be using it. And um, yeah, be interesting to watch going forward. Yeah, that difference could be interesting because the survey could show a measure of demand. Lots of first-home buyers talking and wanting to get into the market, but potentially they can't actually settle because they can't get the mortgage from the bank maybe. So it may, there's obviously a few reasons that the data might differ there, and we'll see if we can get a good read on that. And we're sort of processing the um, May buyer classification data right now, so we'll have something out later this week to, to really look at who was active over the various levels of lockdown. Um, to see who was actually settling property and and be able, being able to to buy that property 
um, over both April and May. I think it'd be a good time to look back on that period and say, yep, we saw the investors likely were continuing to act, whereas maybe those movers are the ones that sit back on, on their hands when uh, there's too much uncertainty going on. They just sit back and pay down the mortgage if they can. So yeah, we'll certainly have more information on that one. Um, this morning, obviously very hot off the press, we got uh, net migration data for April from Stats New Zealand. Um, pretty intriguing figures, I suppose, the massive drop away as we were expecting. What did you take out of that data, Calvin? Oh, so, yeah, um, we'll look back in history and look at this as a, as a, a massive quirk in the data, that's for sure. So there was, there was 729 arrivals in, uh, in April, which normally that figure runs on a monthly basis at, at about sort of twelve or 13,000. So to get down to 729 is, uh, yeah, just indicates the, the, the crazy situation we're in. That was mostly Kiwis. So no surprise there that, that that inward flow was driven by people coming back. Um, and 681 departures, which was mostly non-citizens. So um, you know, again, that, that figure normally runs at 10 or 11,000. So yeah, to be less than 1,000, it just again shows how crazy it was. So for a net balance for the month <coughs> of 48, so um, just just like tiny, it's, it's hard to even comprehend. Normally that net balance will be... Uh, five or six thousand so it's um yeah weird figures and, and, and i guess we're always expecting that you know the borders were shut and it was going to be a crazy month as we've talked about a few times in the past i guess what we're going to watch from now on is is that new zealand balance and you know, can we keep a decent flow of net migration coming in just from returning kiwis and we've talked before about how there's quite a few of us overseas and if new zealand's viewed is relatively safe, then I think we could we could actually have a decent flow of people coming back, and that will you know give a bit of support to the property market. I think a lot will depend, obviously, on job prospects, and you're not going to move home unless you're relatively confident of getting a job. But um, yeah, it's all it's all you know out there to play for and to watch. But that's that Kiwi balance will be the one to watch. Yeah, agree. So I think that that's that's kind of the point, right? That we've seen the early signs, very low figures of what we're expecting. Lots of Kiwis coming home. Um, and, and other migrants will, will leave and, you know, no Kiwis are going to leave themselves. And so I suppose, you know, April, very shut down. Things are still pretty tough to come out of the country. Um, so I'm not expecting things to bounce back really fast. But certainly over the next couple of months, we'd expect to see that, that trend that you've noticed for April to continue and to increase over those months. So we'll wait and see what happens with, uh, with that stuff. Other data, Calvin. Um, I thought you could maybe talk about talk about the pulse that you put together last week, looking at people, um, you know, potential for people to trade up their property, which we've sort of been updating every year for the last couple of years now. And the other one was um, the sentiment data, which I know, you know, it's probably still a little bit too early to take too much from. But there was a there was business business confidence or consumer confidence came out last week. Yeah, it was ANZ business confidence. Their preliminary read for May, uh, for June. Sorry, and. Um, not surprisingly, still pretty weak, and I mean it had it had bounced back, but the it was coming off such a low base again that the bounce back only took it back to a still pretty low level, and especially for me, I'm kind of looking at the employment indicators. That's that's the one that's the part of the economy and and just the data flow that people are going to be really interested in, and so the employment balance was still pretty low, bounced back, but it was still lower than the worst part of the GFC. So <clears throat> you know we shouldn't. I guess, lose sight of more pain to come in the labour market, and, and that's one of the indicators we can watch. Uh, but, yeah, on our on our trade-up pulse, um, 
generated quite a bit of interest actually. There's a few few journos I spoke to and some media stories about it. So this just looks at the difference in median values between four bedroom properties and three bedroom. So I guess you know, a bit of a proxy for how much it's going to cost you to trade up basically. Uh, and um, so the differences are pretty large. It's uh, around the main centres, at least 125000 to move up from a three bed to a four bed. Uh, and in Auckland City, for example, the old TA, that difference is sort of 350000 So it's you know, a fairly big chunk of cash that people have to find. Um, and hasn't really changed much over the past year. It's 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 been high and it's stayed high. <clears throat> so, yeah, I think it probably we've seen in our buyer classification that the relative lack of movers or people you know, moving from one house to the other to to get a better house or a different location or whatever, those sort of people have been relatively inactive. And I think this is probably part of it that it's it's expensive to trade. You know, um, not not even taking account of all the other costs of furniture trucks and lawyers and things. So yeah, it's a big chunk of cash and I think it all adds to the story. I guess the other component to it is that we've seen renovations really, really quite strong. So it suggests that people are renovating rather than relocating and, and um, you know, partly because it costs a lot to move. So yeah, interesting data and um, got a lot of coverage, I suppose. Uh, Looking, I guess, looking ahead, there's always opportunities, and and yep, it's it's expensive to trade up, but you know there will be some people who will want to do it because they found that they needed that they need that extra space, and so it could also be an opportunity when that kind of demand is there for people to to downsize. So um, there's always going to be transactions, and it's always going to be going on, but I guess just highlighting that yeah, it's 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 not cheap. Yeah, that gap is quite interesting and, as you say, quite variable um, across the different main centres too that you, that you looked into. And that's probably one of the key things for me is just how expensive it can be in some areas and, and not so much in others. And I suppose that just reflects the type of property you might be moving to and, and everything else that comes with one more bedroom. It's not just the bedroom. There might be other things about that property um, that obviously mean it's a little bit more expensive as well. So all those little, little things about the data we've got to be careful with as well Yeah, are very interesting. Yeah, yeah, just one other little bit to add there, I suppose. We've certainly heard, and you can see it in the data, we know listings are very low. And <clears throat> I've heard how one, th- one, one thing keeping people where they are is, is partly because they, they just can't find, they'd, they'd like to move, but they just can't find the next property that they like. So it sort of just freezes the system because they're not creating a listing either. So it's um, there is this uh, sort of inbuilt uh, inertia or freeze or something in the system because people can't find what they want, so so they're not freeing up their property, and so that that could be playing a role as well. Yeah, good point. Like that. Cool, man. All right, we'll look ahead to what's coming up then. And um, uh, from my perspective, you know, filming our monthly video tomorrow, um, so just sorting that one out. So expect that later on in the week. And also looking to do another podcast later on the week, a guest podcast um, from a valuer's perspective this time around. So really hearing how the valuer is dealing with when you go to value a property, um, how are you doing that in such an interesting environment at the moment? So it'll be really cool to, to hear how that's going from that perspective. What else are you looking for? I think we're getting GDP figures for Q1 later in the week, are we? Yep, yep. Q1 GDP on Thursday. Um, so, yeah, again, it's one of these these indicators that it's interesting, but it's very backward looking. And, of course, the world's changed. And really, now we're looking ahead to the next one. But for what it's worth, the estimates are that GDP in the first quarter of the year will have fallen about 1%, which... Um, 
you know, in any other circumstance would be an absolute blowout. You'd be, oh, man, that's that's a terrible result. But um, people are probably just going to sort of go, meh, yeah, fine, whatever. And um, actually, the, the, the key interest is really the next one uh, released in, in mid-September, and that could be showing GDP in the second quarter down, you know, 20% potentially. So um, that that's probably... It'll, the interest will be around, okay, it is what it is, but let's look ahead to the next one. So, um, but yeah, look out for that on Thursday. Cool. No, very good. All right, mate, well, that's going to wrap us up. And unless there's anything um, else from your perspective that's going on? No, no, that's it. Um, yeah, always an interesting week in the property market. And we'll chuck a wager on uh, the rugby for this weekend, mate. So, uh, yeah. I reckon just a couple of beers or something on it if uh, the Hurricanes beat the Crusaders. Yep. Yeah, let's do that. Probably not going to happen, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, turn it up. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, mate. Oh, well, thank you very much for that. Um, it does feel like we're getting back to some level of normality in terms of the, the commentary and what's going on and checking the data that we are. So um, good to get back into the sort of old rhythm. I'm back in the office today as well, which was uh, a little bit new and different for me, um, but trying to get back in that rhythm. So, yeah, once again, thanks, mate. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review us. It really helps us to get the word out there. And please do get in touch. As I said, we're getting into some level of normality, so keen to hear what you want to have us talking about or looking into. Um, you can get us on Twitter, LinkedIn. We've also got our email address all available within the podcast player you're looking at, you're listening through. That'll do us for today. Thank you very much, and we will speak to you later in the week. Bye. Bye.